You're tuned into the October Recovery Podcast. My name is AJ. I'm not an addiction counselor, specialist, or professional. On this podcast, you'll hear discussion regarding 12-step recovery programs and how they have impacted our lives. However, the podcast is not a promotion or an endorsement of any 12-step fellowship as a whole. The opinions shared on this show are those of the individual speaker. If you or someone you love is suffering from addiction and needs help, call Recovery Centers of America, 1-855-487-9626. The email is recoverycentersofamerica.com. There you will find detox, inpatient, and outpatient services in Danvers, Westminster, Mass., Maryland, Pennsylvania, and New Jersey. Another recovery option is Banyan Treatment Center, started by pro skateboarder Brendan Novak. Locations are Pennsylvania, Chicago, four locations in Florida, and one in Wilmington, Massachusetts. Also, help with addiction can be found at Foundations Recovery Network at 1-877-714-1318. October Recovery Podcast, Episode 9. Rolling, brother. So, I'm here in the studio again. Make sure that mic's close to your mouth. With such a good friend. Um, this is one of the guys who you've heard me talk about who was there for me at the beginning. I didn't even know what I needed. Um, I didn't know anything about fellowship. And John is one of the guys who reached out and he brought me in. And I will forever be grateful for that. You know that. So, uh, everybody, welcome my friend John. John, hey, what's up, Johnny? Not much. AJ, uh, th- thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming in. It's good. This is the studio. We were at the house yesterday. We were going to maybe do something yesterday. And it just, this is the day it's supposed to happen. Mm. So, so thanks for coming in. What do you think? Very nice. Nice setup. <laughs> What was the first sign you saw? Tell me, tell me that first sign you saw. You made a comment. Suicide by alcohol. Mm. Yeah. What do you think about that? Well, that's the life I was living. You know, it's 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 a fact. I mean, I believe that the number one you know killer for uh, for anybody is alcohol. You know, whether it's whether we do it to ourselves or to other family members or you know whether we're driving and and all of a sudden we take out a family. I mean, you know, that's what we do. You know, I know myself. I mean, I had two OUIs, and um, that wasn't going to stop me. Right. You know? And that's sad, but that's just, you know, that's what alcohol does to us. Alcohol calls the shots. And even though I knew that, God forbid, if I got my third UI or whatever, you know, I was going to do a, a year in jail and probably lose my license for 10 years. But, you know, I still took those chances. <sighs> That's crazy. You know, you talk about how it's how people die, and it's true. Like, we've talked about it before. When you read in the newspaper, 
you see a guy who stopped who got died in a bar fight mm-hmm. you see a guy who froze to death you see a guy who flipped his car on 95 a guy who ran into a bridge abutment i mean all these things don't go down as as alcoholism or addiction but i'm gonna go on a limb and i'm gonna say a large percentage of them are oh i agree 100 percent. i mean you know? even some of us who put time time together you know if we forget you know where we came from and and we still have doing what we're supposed to do here, you know, you know, depression can set in and, you know, some of us can take ourselves out. Yeah. You know, and, and that's suicide. If we're not connected, if we're not in the middle, you know, it can still take us out, you know, and that's sad. Oh, yeah. That's, you the, know, that's what they call it. The, what do they say? The insidious cunningness of the disease. That's it. Exactly. Because it's hiding there. It's, it's, it sits and it waits. It wants us alone. And it's crazy. Like, you know, people who don't understand, they don't they don't understand, and that's fine. But for those of us who have either had that happen or have good friends who have had that happen, we know that it's a fact. And I don't want that to happen to me. No. I don't I don't want that to happen to me. And I know it can. Yep. I know it can, so that's scary. Yeah, it is scary. We're all we're all prone to you know forgetting where we came from, and you know, and uh, you know, I know myself. You know, I mean, sometimes you know, I I can get you know a little lapsed in my in my program, and 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 I feel the effects. Yeah, you know, it's crazy, but I need my medicine. Right. You know. So you talk about forgetting where you came from. So where did you come from, John? <laughs> I came from that. Uh, <laughs> Beautiful city by the ocean. Yeah? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Lynn. Lynn Mass? Lynn Mass. I heard about it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, growing up, I don't know. It just, it's, it seemed like drugs and alcohol were just everywhere. Yeah. You know, and uh, even walking to school back in the day, I mean, um, I remember we had to pass at least three or four bars. And at the time, they were all filled because the GE was in full swing. You know, they had three shifts going on. And it seemed like every time I would walk by one, the smell, you know, and the laughter and, uh, you know, I wanted to be there. Oh. You know, it's just like it was something there that, I, uh, you know, it was. Elementary tr- school, we're yeah, talking. Like elementary were- up to high school, yeah. Wow. You and, had that uh, feeling, huh? Yeah, I had that feeling. Like, you know, I, 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 you know the, the smell of stale beer and the sawdust back in the day. And you liked it. And I liked it. And, uh, you know, and, and believe it or not, I mean, even though the drinking age was 21, you know, I started drinking in those bars at 16. And, uh, you know, it just, it, it, it is what it is. Yep. You know, and I remember, like, I, you know, the saying goes, I mean, you know, all around my neighborhood, it was just drugs and alcohol. You know, I, I believe, I don't know, uh, probably not, but, you know, I heard someone once say that, you know, if I grew up on a street full of dentists, I'd probably be a dentist. But, you know, when did. I know what you're saying. You know, there's real no, you know, role models, you know. My yeah. role model was the guy that sat at the end of the bar and answered the phone and took bets and, right. and yeah. drank all day. You exactly. Know? And that's who I wanted to be. And that's sad. Well, you're, um, I mean, I guess it's sad, but you're a kid, you're impressionable, and that was, that yeah. was your leader, that was your, uh, like you said, that was your role model. Right, exactly. I mean, nothing you could do, ab- I mean, what were you going to do about it? Nothing. I didn't have a plan. Yeah, you were a you kid. Know? Drugs and alcohol always called the shots for me. Yeah. You know, and uh, and it's sad. You know, it's sad. 
I mean, it almost took me out a few times, but I guess God had a plan, right? Mm. Thank God for that. So going through school, you grew up going to regular public schools? No, I was very fortunate. I um, I started out in a parochial school called St. Michael's, and uh, I had won like the scholarship for this uh, essay that I wrote, and so I was going to get some money to go to St. Mary's. And thank God I went to St. Mary's because, you know, you had to show up, you know. And um, if I think if I went to a public school, I probably wouldn't have made it because I don't know how I graduated to this day, you know. And um, because even in my senior year, I mean, I was pretty much partying every night in bars, you know, wow. 17, 18 years old. And um, so uh, you and your buddies, did you even have IDs? How'd that work? No, I mean, it was just, I mean, at this time I was working for uh, Wonderland Dog Track. And there was bars up in Revere that they oh, just yeah. didn't question it. You just would go in like after work, 11 o'clock, and close the place. And, you know, how, how I made it to school the next day, I have no idea. That's crazy. It is crazy. What were you doing at Wonderland? I was a, um, I started off as a busboy and then became a waiter of all things. And yeah. uh, it was it was, it was was a good job. It was, a, you know, making good money. And, uh, you know, I thought life was easy. You know, little that I know, you know, surrounded by all the, other things that go along with it, you know, the the gambling and the drugs and, you know, it was just, uh, you know, it was like paradise for me. You were in it. So that I was, was your, it. yeah, that was your world young. Right, very young. So you took, so you graduated and, and is that the career, like, is that where you stayed? No, I, I, uh, I was, I went to a uh, technical school at, at the time and I was able to um, get a job and unfortunately it was uh, working with, um, restaurant POS systems and uh, the guy that on the dog track started his own business so I worked for him and once again you know I'm in a world of um of restaurants and a lot of our accounts you know if we were on call and we had to go to a certain location we had an open bar tab so where am I I'm right back to a kid in a candy store mm-hmm. you know and uh even a place I worked for you know which is now Abe and Louie's back in, in the time was called uh Charlie Salon, Saloon, and um, I'd get off of work 4.35, and because I didn't want to hit the traffic, I'd go up to the bar, and, and the bartender had a bottle of vodka right in the uh, in the refrigerator for me, and that's what I did. I, I drank, and I signed a, a, a tab, and, you know, <laughs> I'd have to, you know, it's like free, you know, as an alcoholic, free booze, I mean. You were living the life. I was living the life. And, and uh, so you were 19-ish? No, I was around I was around 21, 22 at the time. Yeah. And um you know, then I tried to start my own business and uh that didn't, you know, it could have worked out, but you know, I once, you know, for me, you know, I, alcohol was always a priority, you know, and the drugs too, and so I always gravitated towards that and of course, that was to choose, you know, my path, you know. And that's just the way it went. You know, which is pretty sad, but, you know, but there's a reason for everything, you know. Were the drugs, did you think the drugs were a problem? Did you think the alcohol was a problem at that point? Like, I remember when young? I was like 18 or 19, unfortunately, I uh, was to become a father when I was a senior in high school, too. So I kind of got a lot of breaks. So I really didn't have to go to that many classes. But, um, you know, I remember once um, a good friend that I worked for, one of my first jobs was at, was at a Brigham's and uh, I remember him taking me to the side and other people too and they would tell me you know if you stop the drugs 
things would be all right, you know. But they didn't know, you know. They just thought that, you know, drugs was just part of the equation, you know. And uh, and I dabbled into that business too, and, and it's and it's sad, you know. It's it's not a it's not a good place to be. Yeah, you got to do some. Yeah, it's easy money, right? Yeah, it's easy money, but the the people that you're, you know, you you're dealing with is just not, you know. It's it's just not. I'm. I actually got arrested by the DEA. What? Yeah, and uh, actually, I remember the day it was. Uh, you know. So they were investigating you. They were investigating me for a while. Yeah. Tell me this story. So I used to work at a bar, and so people would come in, and you know, I would pass it over the bar in like matchboxes back then, because of course people could smoke at a bar, and I come to find out, um, you know, <laughs> you know, someone that you know has some uh, that was. I was selling to um, was a car thief and he got caught like the third or fourth time. And so they had to give somebody up and they ended up giving me, he ended up, he ended up giving me up. And so um, they actually, <laughs> they rented a, uh, like an office building across the street from where I was working. And they had an investigation going off for like three months because wow. they really thought the guy I worked for was involved because he used to be involved in some stuff years ago. The bar owner. Yeah. Yep. So they thought this was a big case. I see. And, um, so one day I go to a friend's house to do some do some things I got to do, and I'm driving. I'm at a stop, a red light, and um, five cruisers and three unmarked cars like just surround me with guns drawn, and you know, and yikes, yeah. So, but you know something though, the scary part. <laughs> I don't is, mean the, I'm sorry. No, but the scary part is was I wasn't I wasn't scared. Like the fear, I, I had no fear, because it was like a relief, because I didn't want to be involved in that business anymore. It was weird. It was like, you know, and uh, I remember them pulling me out of the car, them searching me. It took them a while to find it. And, um, you know, back then they just started with the new laws. They weren't even in effect yet, you know, and um, and I had a lot of money on me. And I knew, you know, a lot of my friends that I played ball with are police officers. And they come down where I was, you know, in the holding cell and they're just telling me, you know, just tell them what they want to hear and, you know, whatever, whatever. And, uh, you know, within an hour and a half, I had bailed myself out. They gave him all my money back. I think it was over a thousand dollars, and uh, I bailed myself out. And I go to this um, bar that's right across the street from the police station in Lynn. I start drinking, and who's sitting at the bar? Is the two detectives that arrested me? Wow! It was just me and those two guys. You know, it was so strange. And um, but uh, yeah, and then you know, that's the type of life you live. It is the type of life you live. You know, and. Um, but it was a relief, though, because I stopped doing that because I just didn't like the people that, you know, I associated with. That took, I don't know, maturity, I guess? Would you, Not I, necessarily. I, I think know. it was just, you know, like I'll, give you, you, I'll, I'll give you an example how sick it is. So I remember once um, I was at a bar and uh, that I was working for, and um, I was dating this girl, and her sister was a bartender there. And I remember going to the bathroom, and I come out, maybe quickly, whatever, and they're both in my jacket looking for this junk, Yeah, you know? And I'm saying to myself, this is what I became, become. Right. And I mean, think about it. I mean, today's world, they kill you, they stab you, they shoot you, you know, just to get whatever. I, and I understand. So, you know, it was just, it just wasn't, it wasn't a, a good a lifestyle that I wanted, you know, even though I would like, like to say that, you know, that was the end of it, but it really wasn't. You know? So would you go on, would, where'd that take you? Well, um, it's funny because um, 
Right before my court date came up was when I got into that accident, which uh, when I was hit by a car. Yeah, you got to tell this story. And uh, so what I experienced was I uh, had ran out of gas up in uh, the city called Rivera. They had these rotaries. And I thought I could go to a gas station up the street, you know, to get some gas to put into my uh, my vehicle at the time. And, uh, you know, they didn't have any gas cans. So I'm trying to make it back and I'm crossing a rotary and I get hit by a truck doing 60 miles an hour as a pedestrian. And the only reason why I lived was because I tried to jump over the hood of the truck. So instead of going underneath, I bounced off the hood and into like a, a pile of snow. Like, you know, I don't know how far away it was. I believe it was like a good 15, 10, 15 yards. And um, I remember just laying there and that's where I uh, experienced my, uh, what's called the NDE, which is a near-death experience. I remember like it was yesterday, you know, going to the sky I'm actually getting chills right now as I talk about it. And uh, going towards the light, and uh, it was just so peaceful. It was just unbelievable. It was like, you know, I was saying to myself, boy, this is a terrible way to die. You know, I just got a, uh, I just got back with my son, and, you know, our relationship. And, uh, and I said, geez, you know, uh, this is not good for him. And, uh, you know, but, you know, I was at peace. It was the most peaceful place I've ever been in my life mm. and uh, I could see what I could see below me what was going on you know the cop was there and uh, and then with, when it which within an instinct I had just woke up mm. bang and the cops there me saying son just try to stay awake you know because I was pretty banged up oh. and um, you know and the ambulance people came and you know of course they put the mask on they're trying to get me to breathe and do all these things and I you know I don't know if they were rookies or what but you know you could see the nervousness in their eyes you know and then I remember going to the hospital in Lynn and you know of course they're cutting everything off of me with the scissors and next thing you know my whole family's there you know and I say whole family I mean it must have been like 30 people in that in that waiting room on a Sunday night and um, you know my father came in and that's the first time I ever seen tears in my father's eyes the first and only time and my mother really couldn't come into the room but I remember my father saying that I'm going to be okay, and I was. But for about a good two years after that, I would have these reoccurring nightmares where I was free-falling from the sky. It would really scare me. And I don't know if that has anything to do with, you know, because I've heard other people talk about this who experienced uh, NDE, near-death experiences, and uh, and that can happen, you know. And, uh, you know, it's just... It's it's the it's the, it was just a nightmare a nightmare where you get the you wake up and you're all sweaty because you feel like you're back there again and um, I believe that you know I don't know I mean I don't know if that was me coming back to Earth or it's what crazy. it was but it it is pretty crazy. Have you ever heard of the theory that there's a there's a chemical in our brain there's a spot in our brain that stays dormant until the second we die and then it gets activated. Yeah. And and that's like when people claim to see have you ever heard of this before? Yeah. And 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 the, and, the, and that gets activated and it's like the peacefulness. Yeah. And um it brings you and some people claim that this part of the brain, I forget what it's called, but I know in some cultures it's called the third eye. Mm. But some people claim that hallucinogens like psilocybic mushrooms and stuff like that activate that hmm. and that's why when you take those drugs you become so peaceful and people take these drugs to really find their inner selves no kidding 
Yeah. And the way you described it, how you said peace, like I could feel what you were saying and you said you got the goosebumps. That adds up. Right. I never really talked about it much until I um, actually saw a program. I don't know if it was on 2020 or whatever it was, but it was um, a lot of doctors that experience NDEs and they're the people that are really hard to, to convince. And right, one, so and it's one, good to have yeah. a doctor testimonial. Right, so one doctor, because I had spinal meningitis. I almost died from that, too. Jesus, and, uh, So one doctor had spinal meningitis and something else, and he was in a coma for like two weeks. And he had talked about all the things that I experienced. And I'm like, well, if this guy's going to open up and talk about it, then I'm going to talk about it. It's awesome. You know, and then there were some other people, too, that, you know, in the, that were in the scientific community, and, um, you know, and they started talking about it, too. And so, you know, those are the ones that, you know, need proof, you know? So if, but if I'm understanding you, you're saying like you felt like we had talking about it. And then when you heard these people with some credibility, talk about it, it yeah. gave you the confidence and the freedom to go ahead and share it. Right. Because it's, you know, I mean, it's like anything else. It's, it's hard to understand it unless you really went through it. Yeah. You know, and, and that's true for us too. I was just going to say that you it's, know? it's like going to a meeting for your first time. Right. And being friggin' petrified yep. because you think you're the only one who acts crazy when you drink alcohol and you don't know why. At least for me, I didn't know. Like, I didn't realize all these people had what I had. And then when you go to a meeting, you hear other people who are like you and they explain the allergy and that they can't drink one because they can't stop drinking after that. And then it's you're right. It's a very similar thing. And thank you, God, for that. Yes. For that. Right. I mean, you talk about the fear. I mean, you know, I was very fortunate when I first came into the uh, program back in 01, you know, that I had worked with somebody who uh, started going to meetings. You know, he was maybe three or four months sober and he had told me, you know, how his life was changing and this and that. Now, I really didn't believe him. I didn't even think he had a drinking problem, you know, but what do I know, you know? And, uh, you know, thank God I, I picked that phone up to call him because, I was so full of fear to walk through those doors, you know, and uh, call it him holding my hand, whatever you want to call it. You know, I believe God put him in my life for that because he helped me to go to go there first meeting and many more after that. Yeah, that fear. You talk about that fear. It's uh, it's scary Yeah, because we don't know what we don't know. Yeah. I remember the first meeting it was like it was yesterday. I mean, I can't tell you what was said there, but I remember the laughter, the joy, the friendship. And all that stuff. I wanted all that stuff. You know, I went in there thinking, well, you know, how come no one's talking to me? You know, but yet in a second I'm saying, I hope no one talks to me. Sure. You know, that's the crazy thought of an alcoholic, especially when we're new. Totally. You know, because we're, we don't know what we don't know. That's perfectly described. I hope someone talks to me, but I hope nobody talks to me. Yeah, it's crazy. You know, and it's like. You know, we avoid it as much as we can, and then we sit there and we say, "Why well, are you talking to me?" I don't think I ever heard it that way. That's perfect. Uh, but uh, so that was oh one, so oh one, two thousand nineteen. So congrats on eighteen years sobriety. Well, I wish I could tell you I had eighteen years of sobriety. Joke. Unfortunately, and I laugh. We can laugh. Yeah, we I, can laugh. That's yeah, good. Yeah. But um, you know, like anything else, you know, I unfortunately for me, you know, I did this program. You know, we call it cafeteria style. You know, I took what I needed and uh, the rest was going to, you know, be for somebody else. So was I sober? Yeah. But um, was I really following a program? No, I wasn't. 
So I was going to get picked off, you know, and what happened was, you know, <laughs> I was, you know, bartending for many years. And uh, while you were while you weren't while you were dr- not drinking, no, well, for many years before I got sober. Okay, okay. And um, so I, um, you know, I ended up getting a job at Hood's Milk. Became a milkman. I didn't even know they had milkmen anymore. And uh, I hustled and uh, and I made some money and I started my own business. And what happened was, once I started my own business, there's an old saying: "Don't let what AA gives you take you out." So AA gave me a business, something I always wanted in my life. And I put that first, and I thought to myself, well, you know, if I could just pray, I'm going to be okay. But I'm not, I wasn't okay. Did anybody, I wonder if anybody saw this going on. And because. No, because what happens is, I believe for me, I can only speak for myself. Yeah. Was that once we disassociate ourselves with the program. Yeah. Right. Eventually, the, we don't call anybody yeah, anymore. Nobody looking out for you. Right. So we're on the outside looking in. You know, and I can remember, like, I, I, I think about this all the time. So when I was in the middle, when I used to drive my milk truck, you know, and I used to think about, like, I used to be a coffee maker. I used to think about, you know, going here tonight, making a coffee, make sure I get these and cookies. Just, I'm sorry. I want to get the time. So we're talking, like, 0102, right? Yeah, right. So you were sober. You got this job, and you were, okay, okay. Yeah. for me, I'm just, no, I maybe get, somebody yeah. else will be able to follow you. So I want people to follow you. So yeah, so oh one, one you start to get sober, you get this new job, you're in the middle, you're making coffee, got it. Right, and um, so I'm in the middle, and, and so so I remember like clearly like it was yesterday, like, you know, so I was going to a lot of meetings, and so when I would get up in the morning to start my day, I'd think about, you know, what was said the night before, where am I going tonight, you know, who do I need to talk to, you know, I used to do a lot of commitments, you know, we did some uh, 12-step work, taking people to whatever and uh, hospitals. And uh, so, yeah, being in the um, in the middle was when I was okay. And then, uh, you know, unfortunately, you know, I started my business. I, I started working more, and that became more important. And next thing you know it, I'm going to get picked off. And I remember, you know, when I went out like it was yesterday, you know, because I remember um, – it was a series of events, like the old broken shoelace. It wasn't something major. It was just a bunch of minor things. And next thing you know it, I'm renting a room in Chelsea, and uh, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to start drinking. And uh, I remember, like I said, like that day, like it was yesterday too, because I remember checking in and looking around to make sure that nobody from AA was going to save my ass. You know, because you hear about it all the time. Like, yeah, I was going to the package store and I ran yeah. into, you know, Joe so-and-so. And he says, what are you doing here? And, you know, yeah. so I'm actually looking around the corner, making sure that there's nobody there. How sick is that? So, and I believe, and you hear this a lot too, that I picked up that drink probably a month or two before I really picked it up. And uh, it's just a matter of something happening in my life that was going to push me over that edge. Nothing major, you know, again, a bunch of minor stuff. And so let was, me let me ask you a question about that because I've heard that and and I believe that that didn't happen to me. It hasn't. I hope it never does. About that saying, I picked that drink up a month ago or a week ago, whatever. How if that's happening? If somebody out here is listening and they're feeling like that, like the drink is there, like they're ready to go rent a room in Chelsea, what could you have done? Do you think that? could have maybe stopped that in its tracks and, and you could have prevented that from happening. Simple. If I was connected, like if I was probably maybe even talking to my sponsor still or anybody in the program, you know, they would have picked that up. 
you know, I'm very fortunate. it out. Yeah, because I'm very fortunate because I, you know, I do sponsor a few a few guys, and uh, and I I always believe in in talking to them rather than texting because I can hear it in their voice if they're having a good day or they're having a bad day, you know, because you know Gary. Uh wait. <laughs> yeah. Who, who is it? Gary. Hmm. Yeah. I, I think I've met him. Yeah, he's uh, he's my sponsor too, and uh, and he's great, you know, at, at picking up like in my voice what's going on. You know, and um, and I'm sure if if I was still connected, I I probably wouldn't. I probably would be here with 18 years. But but then again, though, I also believe that you know there's a reason for every for for everything. No doubt. So I had to go back out there and test the waters. Mm-hmm. You know, get my second OUI and go through that. And you know, it is what it is. You know, and um, and and it's okay. Yeah, it really is. It's okay. Good for you. You know, because um, you know, I learned a little bit more. Second OUI, so oof, yikes. Yeah, that was a tough one because, um, like, true alcoholic. I remember I was driving, and I, I really wasn't drinking a lot. I had taken uh, this medication that kind of just whatever. It doesn't matter. The, the bottom line is that I had tapped someone in the back. Someone was following me, and they called the cops. I was, a, again, a mile away from my house, like we all are. Usually. Like you rear-ended somebody? Yeah, and they got out, and and I got out, and it was no big deal. But as I was driving home, I was swerving, and so someone had called the cops, and so they pulled me over, and they were going to give me the test. I says, you know, just take me, you know, because wow. it's not going to, you know, I mean, there's nothing, you know, I'm not going to embarrass myself here. I remember being in the uh, in the cell. They give you a cell phone, and I called my girlfriend, and I, you know, she came down and she bailed me out, and um, I remember telling her like, you know, this is this is a good thing because. Now I can go back to AA, you know. Wow. I mean, think about it. I mean, you know, I like to sit here and tell you, yeah, I, I, that was it. I just went to AA and the, and the rest is history. But is what we tell, you know, the people that are closest to us, these lies just to, I don't know what the words are for that, just to like Get the make it off. okay, you know, and it wasn't okay. You know, and it took me a while. I went to a, a first offenders course because my other OUI was over 12 years uh, old and it was in New Hampshire. So I took a first offenders course, and uh, you know, at the time we did a lot of work for the uh, RMV, and I knew a woman over there when I was going to go and get my license back after I had done the first offenders program. I remember walking in there, and she happened to be out sick that day. You know, and she never calls in, calls in sick. And it was a, a woman from another RMV work, working for her that day. I went into her office. I had all my paperwork there ready, you know, and I thought I'd be walking out of here with my license in my hand. And she looks on the computer and she goes, uh-oh. I says, uh-oh. What do you mean, uh-oh? She goes, well, you missed the 10-year cutoff by like 23 days because when I got my first OUI in New Hampshire, I didn't go to court right away. I had a way to, like we all do, we put everything on the back burner. And I remember walking out of there, and this is true. I remember looking in the sky and, and like cursing God and saying, you know, what are you doing to me? Don't you know that I need my license so I can drive? Think about that. Mm-hmm. So I can drive. Now, if I back up a little bit here and tell you that when I got my uh, second OUI, back then they gave you your license for two weeks. I, don't, I forget what they called it. Why they do that, I don't know. I don't think they do it anymore. Now, you would think that I wouldn't drink and drive anymore, but those two weeks I did that, you know, at a bar right down the street from my house. So yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's crazy. So yeah. God was doing for me what I couldn't do for myself because he knew that I wasn't ready because right. I was definitely, you know, going to get myself in trouble because yep. I wasn't going to meetings. I wasn't back into the program. You know, it was just me. 
being selfish and, you know, where's my license? You know, where's my right to drive? Well, it's a privilege, not a right, you know, and it took me a long time to get my Cinderella license. And I would like to sit here today and tell you that, you know, that I blew into that thing every day and every morning and, and, and there was no fails, but there was numerous fails, you know, and, uh, I would count on my hands how many hours I had to drink before I went to bed. I had 10 hours between the time I went to bed and the time I woke up. I mean, yeah. think about so it. So you do the math. Yeah. If, the, if, you're not, if you're not counting hours on your hands to figure out how much drinking time you have left, you know. You got a problem. You got a problem. And um, so, yeah, it's just, um, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, uh, the way I got here this time around was just. Yeah. You know, it's just tired of being sick and tired. You know, I mean, it, it was a sad, I was in a sad state of affairs, you know, but I knew where to go because the seed was already planted, you know, and, and we talk about Gary, you know, I had met Gary uh, about a year prior when I was trying to get my Cinderella license. And it's funny, you know, I go into this court, there'd be three judges and people would talk, you know, because they're trying to get their Cinderella license too, and they would tell their stories. I'm like, he ain't getting his license, you know, because of course I know it all, right? Oh, yeah, you had you the know? best story going. Yeah, I got the best story, yeah. Well, I got a sponsor. I figured I knew the lingo, but they, they saw right through it, you know, and it took me three times to finally get that license, you know, and of course I, ha I had to have the um, breathalyzer thing in my car, and thank God for that, because what that did was, even though I was still drinking, you know, it controlled it. Mm. You know what I'm saying? It's just, you know, so I wasn't able to. You couldn't be hammered and drive. Right. I, yeah. I, I, well, I'm sure there's ways around it and some yeah, people, you know, do it, but, you know. You didn't figure I, it out. No, I didn't. you didn't want to. I didn't want to, really, because, I mean, the third third OUI is, is a death sentence. Ugh. You know, I mean, think about it. I have my own business. And you would have had it two nights later. Yeah. I mean, you would have had 100 OUIs. Oh, yeah. I um, would have. I, 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 mean? I, you know, I look back all the times that, you know, the things happened that I should have got one. A thousand know, times. You know, go home, you know, get out of my city. You know, it was different back then. I drove a thousand times drunk, right. probably and, more. And I respect the laws. I Trust me on that. I respect these laws 100%. Same. You and know I'm what I mean? I'm not proud of it. No, I'm not proud of it either, but that's what we do. That's what you we know? do. I'm a professional drunk driver. Think and, about it. And we say that, you know, because, again, I mean, some, some guy, some woman's listening out here who... Who knows? Maybe she stumbled upon this and, you know, Googled recovery or whatever, and she's driving drunk, and she thinks she's the only one. No. You're not. No. I remember when, uh, you know, when I was like 19, 20, I was drinking these bars in Revere, and I remember, you know, one, one day, the sun was coming up. We're still drinking in this bar, and I'm driving home, and I had this habit. I was drinking, uh, I would drink tangerine, tonic, whatever, and I would keep the limes of each drink in my glass. Okay. And so this glass is just about full of, full of limes, all right? Because I'm taking one to go with me, of course. Oh, yeah. And I'm driving down, um, I think it's the Linway. I forget which one it was. And I got a car behind me the whole time. I'm like, how am I going to explain this glass full of limes? But that's what we do, yep. you know? And uh, So much work. So much, oh, it's so much work. It, you know, it, and you hear it a lot, too. It's like it, all the work we put into our drinking and our drugging, I mean, if we can just give a small percentage of that to this program, I mean, it's not a lot. You're golden. If you and you're golden. You know, you got your medicine. I mean, an hour or two a day, you know, that's not a lot to ask for. An hour a day. 
Yeah, and all the cut all, yourself cut yourself some slack and give an give yourself an hour and 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 try and get to a twelve step meeting. And if you don't like it, I mean, try something else. What can we tell you? Yeah, well, that's the thing too. I mean, not actually, all- no. If you don't like it, go back. Go right. back for a couple months. Try and try and go back for a cup. Try and go back for a couple months. Right. And I find I, one. Find one that you hear something that you can attach to because you will. Right. Right. One hundred percent. Right. And and I truly believe the most important part, if you're trying to get sober, is to try to get a sponsor from the get go. And also try to get involved. If you're a woman, try to get yourself involved in a woman's meeting. If you're a man, try to get yourself involved into a men's meeting. Because there are things that you can talk about at these meetings that you're not going to talk about in another meeting. You, I want to I wanna talk about a men's meeting in a minute. But I want you to, if you can, I want to hear the end of this. So you got your second DUI. Mm-hmm. You kind of started to go to meetings. You had to blow in the thing, and then so where did where did that take you? Nowhere. Yeah. I mean, I just you know I thought that if I went to meetings that you know things, I, I, it, I wasn't doing it for myself. There's the bottom line right there. I was never doing it for myself. It was always to appease the courts, the girlfriend, you know, all that other stuff, you know. And then, like I said, I remember it was like it was um, yesterday. You know, the last drink that I had was during a storm. And, um, you know, here I am, 39 years old. Um, no, I'm sorry, 49. And um, I'm taking some roaches out of my ashtray, and I'm, I'm trying to roll a joint. And I'm looking at my hands. They're all black. I had just got a puppy. My neighbor's kids are playing with it outside. And I'm just wasting away here. It's such a sad, I mean, so I would actually, when I knew a storm was coming, we would shut my store down. I'd get the Baileys. The Dunkin' Donuts coffee, black. I would heat up the coffee, put the Baileys in there early in the morning, put the shovel down, hold it, and just watch the snow and drink. Yeah. What a life, huh? Yeah, right. I mean, I never did anything, but just, it was sad. Yeah. You know, and... Um, what was different this last time? I listened because what I, I had done was I, I went to those 90 meetings in 90 days, 90 plus was that a pain in the ass for you? Did you go kicking and screaming? How did how did that look? No, I was that? ready. Yeah. I was ready. I was done. I was done. And then for some reason, um, anger, anger came in into my life, you know, when I first started getting sober. And um, I never experienced that before when I first got sober, you know, but I was full of rage, you know. And uh, I remember Gary, um, I had just reconnected with him, and uh, I think it was like a week, a week sober. And he was going on a cruise, and he really, I couldn't really, you know, talk to him so i had to find a temporary sponsor and i remember going to the winchester meeting i remember asking this guy george if you could be my temporary sponsor and thank god for him because this guy was great you know i'd call him and you know i tell him what was going on and you know pissing moaning and groaning and uh he says well you know what happened right i says no what happened he says well you lost your best friend and that's how he described it he described alcohol as my best friend Mm -hmm. and he's gone yeah and so and that made sense to me yeah. You know, because I, I knew where the anger was coming from because I didn't have that crutch anymore. I didn't have that go-to. And because I was showing up at work, I started to get busy. And, you know, things God, God had a plan, believe me, because he put me in a position where I, I still have my business. I don't know how that happened. But all of a sudden, now that I'm showing up, I'm, I'm busy at work. I'm going to meetings. I'm involved. And I just, it was like, a, it was a plan for me. 
because when I first got sober, I wasn't working back in 01. You know, I remember, you know, again, my first meeting, I remember the guy saying to me, all right, you know, there's another meeting in Winthrop. We can catch the second half. And I'm saying to myself, this guy's freaking crazy. Right. Two two meetings in one night. Yeah. And all of a sudden, I'm, uh, you know, I'm doing his inventory. Like, he's a, a AA, uh, he's addicted to AA. Sure. You know, I mean, what did I, I didn't even know anything about AA, but yet I can draw that conclusion in my little alcoholic mind. But, um so 90 meetings, 90 days. Plus, yeah. 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 And that year we had a lot of bad storms too. I mean, a lot of, uh, I remember one time I was just getting into a meeting. Someone calls me and says, oh, they're not having a meeting tonight. And, you know, and but that's what I was willing to do. You know, I mean, you think about it. I mean, I was willing to drive to a liquor store in a storm, right? Right. So not, why not drive to a meeting? That's going to save my life. And uh, Willingness, yep. Yeah, the it. willingness. And it's just, um, you know, it's just... I. <sighs> For me, I can just speak for myself. I mean, I finally, you know, listened and, and did things the way it's laid out, mm. you know, and uh, and that was huge. Yeah. Huge. And you were, you were going to mention about the group. I know that uh, a couple years after that, I don't know, probably what, two? Yeah. Two, maybe three years. I guess these. <laughs> God bless you. Yeah. I remember I was at a group. I met you at the Wakefield. Yes. Sunday morning. And so you probably had what? Two, I don't know. A couple of years. Continuous sobriety at the time. And yep. you were, uh, you said, I'm thinking about starting a men's meeting on Thursday night. And I'm here like, good for you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. And who knew, right? Who knew? What it would, what it would grow into. Yeah, who knew? And uh, tell, yeah, let's talk about talk about that because people, you know, if any, if some people who are listening, we we've talked about the green tomato. So it's a men's meeting on Thursday night underneath your 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 restaurant, right? And uh, you know, I um, so again, I I look back at that, and that that's a turning point in my sobriety because I remember when I um, what had happened was um, a space became available at my store, and um, I went to look at the space and the guy's like, yeah, you got all the space here. You can use it for storage. You can use it for this. And the first thing that came across my mind was because, and I, and I should go back to this because when I first got sober too, the, one of the most important parts of being sober this time around was that the first thing I went to was a men's meeting. And so what that did for me was uh, it, it introduced me to a lot of men. And that, so when I would go to other meetings, I would run into them and, we became, it was like a friendship or a bond kind of from the beginning. Because it's hard if you just go into like a regular meeting, you go to another meeting and, and you know, to, to kind of meet people, right? Because that's, you know, we. It's crazy. It gets crazy in those meetings. Yeah, sometimes. it does. And, 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 it, and it's just, you know, you just, you know, am I bothering this person? You know, that's how we feel. We're really not because we're all willing to help each other. And. Um, but even not to mention the, like, for instance, Wakefield. After that meeting, it's like a circus. It's chaos. Everybody's trying to talk. You know what I mean? There's so many people it's, it, you're trying to talk to each other. It's It gets crazy. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned that meeting, too, because that's another miracle. Because when I first started going to that meeting over eight years ago, you know, the, um, there, was, there were rows of cheers. So the only person that you could talk to would be the person on your right or the person on your left. And ever since they put those round tables in mm -hmm. there, it's almost like, you know, you have all these people sitting at one table and they all have to kind of talk to each other. You have to look at each other. And it seems like that, that meeting has grown 10 times ever since that happened. 
you know, you look at the woman's table, not to, you know, say there's a click or whatever, but, you know, woman should stick with woman. And, you know, if a new woman comes in, what do they do right away? Yeah, they, they grab go her. grab her, you know, and that's huge to see that. And we do the same things because, you know, we, we can recognize a, a new person, you know, it's just, I mean, I think we're all recognizable when we first come in to a point, you yeah. know. No, but you're right. It's good to be able to sit around and I like it too. You sit around, you can look each other at. Yeah, I mean, there's laughter and, you know, and there's just a lot going on there. Yeah. You know, and uh, so, yeah, when I got sober this time around, you know, I remember talking to this guy who knew Gary and I was trying to get his number because I couldn't find it. Of course, I opened up my big book. There's all my numbers, you know, (laughs) open up the big book and uh, all the answers. All your answers are right in that. Yeah, there you go. And uh, so he said, well, I'll call him and I'll, and I'll, I'll let you know because, you know, you, you don't just give out numbers. I mean, because you don't know, right? And uh, so he said, listen, if you want, you can come to my men's meeting. It's on a Monday night. And I've heard of it before. I never went. And I started going there and and some friendships started to develop. You know, we went to meetings together and, you know, and that's where it starts. And so this meeting had, had broken up, like I think about a year and a half after I started going and uh, so again, when that space became available, you know, and this is this is what I call change. So for me, I'm looking at the space, and the first thing that comes across my mind is not how much is this going to cost me, right? The first thing that came into my mind was this would be a great place to have a men's meeting. Now that's really that's not me talking either, right. by the way. That's not me. That's the change, and that's God working in my life because the old John would have figured the the numbers out and says this may not work but it was god doing for me what i couldn't do for myself mm-hmm. and so what i did was I, I called gary and the greatest thing even though i hate to give gary a lot of credit here ah. but the greatest thing about gary though is so no matter what problem you come with to him with he's always going to give you two sides of a story you know, because I always come with him with some problems like at home and stuff. And I always say, yeah, he's going to be on my side. And, you know, he's going to tell me, you know, but but he always gives you both sides of the story. Yep. So what he did for me at that time, he says, John, it's a great idea. But if it doesn't work, at least you know you tried, you know. Yeah. And that's all I needed to hear at that mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. And so what is, you know, you know, what does God do for me? He puts all the right people, the original members of that group. All of us from different backgrounds, mm. for some reason, we all clicked. Right. And that was the beginning. Mm. And uh, and I had nothing to do with that. It was God putting people in my life that I had told them about the meeting, whether it was running into Brian at a mobile station or Mark at the Sunday morning meeting or yourself. I remember talking to Mark about it. <laughs> to this day, I laugh because Mark tells a story all the time that I told him about the meeting. And he just agreed just to agree. <laughs> and then later on, he's saying, what am I getting myself into, you know? Right. And, uh, you know, and-, and It's uh, a life changer. It is a life changer. It's and, changed a lot of men's lives down in that basement. All right. And you know something? And I and I thought about this today, too, and because uh, I thought this was going to come up. And I'm going to honestly tell you right now, I have nothing to do with that. I have zero to do with that. That's all God. Because God- cause, you know, there were times sometimes that, you know, I work a lot, but I had to be that Thursday night. You know, it's almost like God gave me this meeting I had to I had to attend. And like I said, I, I can't take any credit for that at all. I don't. I won't because it's it's not me. It's the people that he put in my life to save my life. And the greatest miracle of all is to watch other men 
you know, change, you know. And, I mean, you got guys that come in here that can't say two words. And next thing you know, within a month, they're joking, they're laughing, you know, you know or they could be crying. And, uh, and it is a life changer mm-hmm. for all of us, mm-hmm. you know, because we get to see and witness miracles right in front of our own eyes. And where else can you get that? Yeah, and that I know for me it gives me hope that I'm on in faith that this is where I need to be. Right, and yeah. we have and we have a lot of guys like yourself, you know, who come there, you know, and they, and they, and they get what they need. And it's hard to get there for some of us, for mm. some guys. Some guys travel pretty long distances to get there, but it's great because once they they're able to get their wings and fly off, you know, they're spreading the message too. Mm. You know, mm. and. Um, and sometimes, like yourself, you recommend guys, you know, to come to the group, and yep. and that's huge because we need those guys. We need the newcomer, you know what I'm saying? Because it's such a a miracle to see that transformation from a guy that comes in and, and got the the living shit kicked out of him mm-hmm. to walk through that door, and he doesn't know what's up, what's down, or what's what is sideways, and 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 see him to come out of this. You know, a better person and a better man. Yep, I had I had something. Uh, I highlighted something yesterday, and it's exactly what you were just saying. It's from the big book. We know what you are. This is page one sixty three. A vision for you. We know what you are thinking. You're saying to yourself, "I'm jittery and alone. I couldn't do that." But you can. You forget that you have just now tapped a source of power much greater than yourself. To duplicate with such backing what we have and accomplished is only a matter of willingness, patience, and labor. Mm-hmm. And that's what it is. That's, I mean, for me, the recipe, for one of the advantages, one of the things you can do to help yourself or help others is with this disease is to show them that it works. Right. Because... I was fucking upside down. I didn't I didn't I didn't know what the hell was going on. And I got a little mustard seed of hope when I walked into my first meeting where other people were drinking all the time, couldn't stop, but yet they were able to stop. Mhm. You know, so it's awesome that you do that. We were so I remember in the beginning one of the first like we would do stuff like we watched a Bill Wilson movie. Yeah. Yep. Like six of us downstairs on a TV, but we didn't like we thought it would help us, and that's what we did. Well, it, it's it's funny you say that because the, a few months ago, um, where where there was about eighteen of us down there, and, so that's uh, what I was going to get to. So now, geez, eighteen people. Yeah, there. we had twenty last night. We had twenty twenty five. Unbelievable. And, and so it, you know, and it's great. So a few months ago, um, all of a sudden, uh, all the lights just went off, and so what happened was no one moved. All they did was they took their cell phones off, put their flashlight on, and just continue reading. Yeah. The building could have been on fire. Right. You know? Right. And But they just, there was no panic. There was no, like, what do we do now? It's just pick up and let's go, you know? And um, so last week, you know, we read out of the 24 right now, and uh, the topic I had picked was death because one of our members had just lost his wife, and I figured just something we could talk about. And um, that meeting, um, you know, it was it was unbelievable because there was some crying and yet there was belly laughs. Imagine that. Mm. You get both those emotions in the same meeting. And you can walk out of there with your head with your head held high because you can talk about stuff sometimes you can't talk about at other places. Huh. You know? And 
And sometimes the stuff needs to get out, you know? Well, it's it's one word, man. It's truth. Exactly. It's a place, safe place to tell the truth. Exactly. And they, you're right. And they know it's going to stay there, too. Well, at least I hope they do. Because um, we need to get the truth out. You know, that's what these steps are built on. That's what this program's built on. We hide the truth. It fucking kills us inside. Yes, it does. Then we make up stories in our head to try and hide it. All, it's all about honesty and the truth, in my opinion. No, you're 100% right. And, and, and we've done everything in our lives to to not show that, you know. Yep. And, and yeah, it's, it's unbelievable. But, yeah, I, again, I just, you know, want to make it clear that, you know, this has saved me more than, you know, I mean, guys who come to me and, and thank me, but I don't thank me, you know, thank yourself. And I thank you because if it wasn't for the guys showing up, where would I be? You know, it's just amazing. It is. You know, because we get to see it, you know, and, and that's the miracle. The miracle is to see guys get sober, stay sober. I mean, I talk sometimes to five guys a day, mm. you know, and that's and, and that's what keeps me sober mm -hmm. too, you know, talking mm -hmm. to as many alcoholics as I can because it just uh, reinforces and reminds me on a daily basis of who I am and what I am. Yeah, even if you're not talking about alcoholism. No, no. You're not. You're talking about life truths and stuff that's going on in life, and it's it's it just goes to show you that like these small groups are so important because it's like tribes back in the day. It's like yeah. tribes. You know, you had a tribe of whatever 10 or 20 and everybody was you know these indie you know these native american indians they they had family they cook they call them tribes for a reason Is no that, outside politics no nope. fucking bullshit no schemes no backstabbing nothing and there's nothing nothing like that goes on down there no like there's an old saying you know what does god want from us god wants us to be neighborly that's it period imagine mm -hmm. that the word neighborly mm -hmm. and that just means you know just to be nice to each other you know we're, we're not it's not our job to judge you know it's just you know and, and that's where we get there you know we it, there's some things that like you said we can it doesn't have to be AA related but it can be a business question it can be a personal question a marriage question a kid question because we're going to get the truth like you had said earlier the truth is is what we're going to tell you my closest friends uh my best friends today are, are the people that are in the program, yep. you know, and that's what I always wanted. I just wanted to have real friendships, people who I could trust. That's Think it. about that. Trust and friendship, you know, and that's what we get, you know, and uh, boy, you know, what a ride. Mm. What a ride. Yeah. <laughs> we got uh, about an hour in the books there, buddy. Cool. Yeah, I'm so I'm just so grateful, like you said. Like, it's it's funny how... How it happens. I mean, I, I live here and, you know, your place is a half hour away, but I go there and I get sober and it's like, and I remember thinking at the beginning too, like, you know, I should, maybe I should be closer to home, you know, like this <laughs> half hour, 35 minute ride on yeah. 128 and traffic sucks. But I just came because like I, something told me to go. My plan wasn't to sit in traffic on Thursday <laughs> nights, really. Yeah. You know, so I mean. You know, I know you don't like to hear it, but you do a lot. You, you, I mean, that's your place. Like that's your place of business, and you have uh, a recover. You have a recovery room downstairs there, and the friendships. Like I talk to Chris almost every day. Yeah, I talk to amazing guy. Yeah, you know, Gary. I talk to Billy. I talk to Johnny. Yep. 
I wouldn't have known any of these guys. Nope, same here. You know, it's just, um, you know, that friendship. It's like, you know, we didn't have that before. So if you're, uh, you know, if you're listening, you're struggling and, and you're trying to find something, you know, these men's meetings are, are huge. And these men who are at these meetings, I guarantee you, when you walk in, they're going to love to see you coming. 100%. I mean, they're going to love to see a, a new guy who wants to get sober, who is confused. Listen. If you're confused and you're dying to drink and you have no which way to go and up is down and down is up and your world's a fucking mess, you're exactly where you need to be. Get to one of those meetings and these guys will know exactly what you need, right? Right, exactly. And, um, you know, if you have a problem with a higher power or, the, you know, whatever you want to call it, you know, put that on a back burner for now. You know, because the most, all you really have is today. Mm-hmm. And and if we can help you stay sober a day at a time, then you've done your job, you know, especially if, if you're new, you know, because that's the hardest thing is to stay sober a day at a time. But we can't do it alone, you know. I can't do it alone, and I need the newcomer, you know, to show me and to teach me. I get just as much out of them as I hope they get out of me. Isn't that unbelievable? Like It is. I thought Gary was lying when he said that to me. I like. Oh course. yeah, I, I did too. Yeah, I thought he was like, I was, and I, I was like, oh, whatever. He's just saying that. Like uh-huh. I remember calling him, and he's like, AJ, I got as much out of this than you did for me. And I literally thought, you know, said to myself, this guy's full of shit. But whatever. I mean, he listened. <laughs> I I said the same thing because I remember, you know, because I met Gary and another guy, and the other guy was working, so I ended up calling Gary. And I remember it was so hard to, to, to pick up that phone and actually call him. And I'm saying, this guy's probably busy at work. He's not going to want to talk to me. And, you know, all the things we can talk ourselves out of. Oh, we can. But, yeah. you know, I picked it up and I called him. And, and, and again, like what you just said, I got, you know, he said, well, you know, I got just as much. And I'm like, yeah, right. Okay, why? You know? But he wasn't full of shit. No, he wasn't. <laughs> He's not. And even when I say that stuff today, I mean it, you know? Oh, my God. I say it, you know, you talk, you say... And Gary taught me this, too, and I heard you say it, and I think he taught you this. It's like I heard him say, he it just came out of his mouth, I'm fortunate to sponsor people. Yeah. And that, like, hit me between the eyes because I am fortunate to sponsor people. And early on, I remember freaking out being like, what if somebody ever asked me to sponsor them? Mm. <laughs> like, what if somebody... So, Self-centeredness, like right. somebody, somebody's definitely going to ask me, yep. what am I going to do? And like, what am I going to do, right? Yeah. But if you're thinking, if, if if the person who's listening is thinking like that, see, this is something that we can joke about. Like, right. who cares? I was, I was, I thought crazy for a minute. I was a little, I was, my ego was not, but I can laugh at that today oh, yeah. because I'm human. My brain's going to go there, but the key thing is backing up and recognizing it. Sponsorship can be tricky. Like, I don't know if other programs say sponsorship, but when I think of it, I think it as a friend, a mentor. Exactly. Somebody you can, you know, sponsorship's a word Bill used, which is fine. Right. Bill and Dr. Bob, but uh, think of it as a good, a friend, like a mentor, somebody you want to take under your wing, somebody you feel like maybe you could help, somebody who, um, you know, you could show the ropes to. Right, it doesn't have to like that's true too what you're saying right now. So I'm gonna, I'm going to go back to like when when I first got sober in 01 
the guy that was bringing him around the meetings, I remember we went to like a few weeks of meetings and I remember him, uh, I remember him saying to me, you know, what do you think about uh, sponsorship? And I looked at him because, you know, and I said to him, I said, I thought you were my sponsor, you know, because yeah. I didn't know. And he says, well, you know, un- you know, unfortunately, he said to me, he said, unfortunately, he says, unfortunately, you know, I only have like four or five or six months. I forget what it was of sobriety. He says, you should find someone that has a little more time. He says, I'll be here for you. You can call me every day like you have been. Perfect. You do whatever, you know, whatever. But I just feel that you should find someone that has a little more time and that you could connect to and, you know, and, and ask them to be a sponsor. And, and that was the hardest thing in the world for me. And you just made it sound easy because you're right. Because in our meeting, like, we're all sponsors kind of to each other. Do you know what I'm saying? Because we're all friends. So it doesn't really have to be a label on it. You know what I'm saying? You don't have to put a label on it. You know, there are some guys that will go through life, you know, you don't have to ask someone like it. It's not, you know what I'm saying? But if you're with someone long enough, I mean, naturally, you know. Yeah, it is. It's actually kind of a slippery slope, actually. Not slippery, but it's all good because, you know, when I think about having that, just the one guy where you can go to, you know. Right. Yeah, I mean, what a blessing. You got 10 <laughs> down at the Green Tomato. But, exactly. But I guess, yeah, I mean, I guess, I don't know. I mean, I love this topic. I, bottom line, find somebody you can trust because this is why. You're 100% right. At the meetings, you want to you wanna share depending on the type of me- if you If you go, if you listen and you go to meetings um, and you're new, you want to you wanna share because you want people to get to know you. So say your name whatever open your mouth but you want to be careful not to tell them about the the cars you stole last week right because your guy could be you know who knows you know what i mean i mean that's for your sponsor we don't know exactly or like relationships you know and those are things that like you know like gary knows me very well and i know him very well so we can bounce things off each other that i'm not going to just go into a, a room and say oh by the way you know and that's important to know it's very important because yeah it is it's very 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 important because you could be hurting someone else's feelings you don't even own it you could be you know? hurting other people you could be hurting you and listen not to freak the newcomer out we're just here trying to teach a guy exactly or given know? our opinion i mean we've we've got some experience and um i think it's important to hear it's right. an important because a newcomer goes in, they don't know what the fuck to do. They don't. I mean, you don't want to start, you know. You want right. to tell the truth, but yeah, you don't want to talk about breaking laws right away. No, no. I think yeah, that's no. fair to say, you know. I agree 100%, yeah, because, you, you know, you just but don't you know. But you do want to tell your sponsor, you know, everything yeah. that when you start doing the steps. Yeah, in time, yeah. yeah in time. Yeah. Right. You don't want it right. But then again, though, you know, <laughs> sometimes secrets too. You know what I mean? Secrets are, you know, it, it can You'll be learn. a killer for us. But yeah, it's just it's a learning curve. I think know? good advice is yeah, get stay away from the drink. Get that they say ninety and ninety for a reason. Get, oh yeah, I get, agree. Get with accustomed that. to. I didn't do that, but you know, it's it's all. This is it. It's about getting like get your brain like our brains are so fucked up right. when we stop. It's going to take a little while for you to think right. So go in, ears open, listen, put your hand up. This is my name and people will come to you. Right. Yeah, I, I fell for myself. I remember my first sponsor back in 01, you know, it was his, he was like 6'4". And I'm looking up at him, you know, and I asked him to be my sponsor, which was really tough to do. 
And I remember the first words out of his mouth was like, I'm not going to tell you to go to 90 meetings in 90 days. Like, oh, thank God. Now, go back to that time. I wasn't even working. So, you know, the only reason why that, you know, I felt that I needed those 90 meetings in 90 days was because I was in and out of this program so much. I needed something to stick. You know what I mean? I needed to be, I needed to put myself in the middle. You know what I mean? I needed to grasp onto everything I could grasp onto because I felt that looking back, the times that I was um, coming in and coming out, and it's very hard to get back here. It was very, very, very hard. The hardest thing I ever did because I'm embarrassed because I let people down. I didn't let them down. They don't care. They're going to accept me with open arms. You know, I let myself down. That's the only person I let down. And, um, you know, so I decided that, you know, I'm just going to get busy with this because I really wanted it to work. Yep. You know, I didn't like the way that I was living, you know, you know, either get busy living or get busy dying. I yep. mean, I was, I was dying, you know, and all those ailments that I had back in the day, whether it was this or that, whatever, they're all gone. It's all because of the drinking, you know, all these things that crop up was all alcohol related. I just wanted it really, really bad. You know, because some people can't do 90 meetings in 90 days. Yeah, and they can't do it. And that's okay. You know, if you can't, you can't. But that's what a podcast is for. Right, exactly. We're not or saying, call somebody. Yeah, right, everybody. Get yourself around. Get other people. You got to talk to other people who are right. like you. And, spe- and, and, I, and, I, and I believe in, in the old saying, you know, I hope no one crucifies me for this one. But Whatever. I believe that women should stick with women and men should stick with men. It's fine. Especially in early sobriety. Yeah. Because it's just so, you know... It's 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 raw. And, Vul- yeah, you're vulnerable. Yeah, you're vulnerable, and, and you may not even know we're needy. You know, you're needy. Well, yeah. yeah, it could get messy. It could get messy. It and could go a lot of different ways. It could go a lot of different ways with recovery being on the back burner. Exactly. Yeah, and, and, and that's not what you're there for. And I believe in the other thing too is you know, uh, you know, relationships. You know, because you know, if, if they can be a crusher sometimes too. And early sobriety, you know, the first year, I mean, it was so like fragile emotionally. Well, oh yeah, forget about it. You know, we started going out with someone. Next thing you know, it, you know, oh, I don't want to see you anymore. I mean, that's just oh. an excuse for us. Crazy how we can make up those those excuses, you know, in our mind. <laughs> you know, and and you had mentioned from the beginning too about you know alcoholics. You know, we're the only people that understand each other. Because I've heard so many stories. You know, when people go out, like the wife or the girlfriend will say, you know. You haven't drank for a couple of years. Can't you just have one? And if we're not connected, if we're not in the middle, guess what? We're going to say, we're going to convince ourselves that one might be okay. And we know we're not having one. Maybe that one day we're going to have one. But after that, forget about it. That's a death sentence. It is a death sentence. And That's it just a great go, point. Because it goes back to the old adage where, you know, only we know what's going on. Do you know what I'm saying? We, we, another, it, only another alcoholic is going to understand another alcoholic's mind. As crazy as that may sound. Oh, it doesn't. They then they, they don't understand outside here. Right. It's just like, like the old you know the old veterans, whether it was World War One, World War Two, Afghan, Iran, whatever you want to talk about. No one's going to understand what those guys go through except for them, because yeah. they went through that horror or whatever you want to call it. You know, which not to compare the two, but I mean, you know, that's a whole different horror on a different scale. But, well, I would argue that alcoholism is a war. Yes, I agree with you there. A war that, that we have to fight every day, you know, and, you know. Because the end result is, is death. Is death. And, and, and it's, and guess what? It's it's a slow death. I mean, we just, and we know that because we, we've witnessed that and we witnessed that a lot. And it's not a pretty way to go out. 
it's very sad and um yeah it, it is a war but you know something you know we know what it is and, and we can talk about it you know and so and, grateful for that you know oh yeah 100 percent. Mm. it's just uh, amazing but uh yeah those are some of the um things that i see sometimes is that we start getting away from where we planted our roots and next thing you know it you know we think we're okay mm. you know and i know for me <laughs> you know it ain't gonna be pretty nope you know and i hope i never go there because it's gonna be like leaving las vegas Oof. you know and yeah. and that's crazy yeah but that's the way we think and that's where that's that is that's that's the disease that's the end result of this progressive disease death yep. severe severe organ malfunction or severe disability all right those are the three things that result from this progressive disease called alcoholism and and i give people a lot of credit today that um actually put the truth in the papers when we lose a loved one oh me to this disease because i think the public oh. should really know what the real numbers are because you don't know and I got to say, the awareness is up, which is good. It is up because they're finally saying, you know, lost their battle with whatever it is. Yeah, alcoholism or addiction. I right. agree with you. I know. I know. Well, listen, man. Oh, I, I can't, can't thank you enough. It's thank great. you for having me. I mean, it's cool, right? This is unbelievable. <laughs> You're doing a great job. We can, I mean, and I don't, it's just, it's good. I love it. Like, mm -hmm. I like hanging out with guys I, you know. Guys, I respect. It is. Meeting. It is. I got uh, who? Uh, Janine's coming in. You know Janine, my friend. Yeah. She gave me my first big book. She's coming in a couple weeks. Good for you. Yeah. So Johnny, I love you. Me too, brother. Love you, man. I appreciate all you do. You, you know, all the help you do for us, and uh, I will see you soon, my friend. You will. Thank you for having me. All right, buddy. All right. Yeah.